welcome to Dog Eared Book Club. I am your host, Alexandra Shelley, also known as BB by many. And here on Dog Eared, the mission is to connect you all to books, thought leaders, and avid readers alike. Oh my goodness. I'm I apologize for this episode being a little late. I've just been in kind of like a really weird funk. I don't know how you guys have been feeling lately. I it's not even to you know, kind of put a band-aid on, like, not doing things, but just the world is just in such a weird place, and I feel like I've been kind of feeling the collective, and I've also been forcing myself to slow down a bit. I feel sometimes I kind of overwork, and I don't give myself enough time to rest or to read and to recharge and just play and just be a human being and not a human doing, And so, yeah, I'm kind of just being a little more gentle on myself in terms of when, you know, episodes come out, in terms of doing work, in terms of how we're doing work, in terms of how I'm looking at, you know, social media and consumption and everything. And I'm really just giving myself this time. So thank you for being so patient and wonderful. And I'm really, really happy I'm here. And I'm so excited to introduce you guys to this unbelievably amazing, talented, remarkably funny dog-eared leader for March. So his name is Riley Wessling and he's a dear friend from college. We both went to the University of Colorado Boulder. He went for a year because he was like, ah, I don't really know if college is for me, which is honestly amazing and There is no judgment if you go to college or if you don't go to college. Your path is your path and your path is beautiful and unique to you. And we actually met through a mutual friend. And then honestly, you guys, because this story is so dang funny. So like when we knew we would be friends forever. So we would sit together in our anthropology class because like we just were like, oh, I know you like, hey, what's up? So we sit next to each other. And we were watching this like movie about apes or something. I don't even know what was happening. And all of a sudden, someone just farted. Like, not just like a little toot, but it was like a really loud, like whole sounding fart. And we just busted. And no one laughed. It was like, what is wrong with you people? Like, there is a perfectly insane fart that just ripped during a film about apes and anthropology class like it was just unbelievable so yeah so that's that and now we've been friends for about like nine years and it's just so amazing because one of the reasons I really love Riley is we have seen each other and we've been there for each other in like the highest of moments but also in the darkest of moments and he's probably one of the only people I can really relate to about you know, deep anxiety and depression and ADHD. And also not only that, but also we're just highly like creative and highly sensitive. So we just connect on so many fronts. And let's say, you know, we don't talk for months and we don't see each other for years and we come back together and it's like nothing happened. And it's just a friendship to truly cherish. And I just know that we've been friends for many lifetimes and Um, I'm just so blessed to have in my life. So anyways, to really get into Riley. So he is a screenwriter and an actor. 
He did a lot of skit and sketch comedy, and he's really been in the world as like an assistant and kind of, you know, in the circle, but he finally just got his way in. He just finished up a show. These, no, are kind of people. He was one of the writers, and... Now he is starring in the show called The Book of Queer, which will be streaming on Discovery Plus. And it's absolutely amazing because it goes back in American history on actually these beautiful figures and human beings that really shaped the history of the LGBTQ LGBTQ community. Oh my goodness. I'm so, I was like so ridiculous. And it gets this amazing miraculous. Why can't I talk? This miraculous musical treatment. And I am so excited to not only have the show come out, but I am like genuinely so ecstatic that Riley is in this show because it just something he said in a caption recently is if I had this show growing up, I like would just be everything and more that I already am today. And he is just over the moon that now this show is available and it's coming out in a way that is so wonderful and colorful and just hopefully going to really open the hearts and minds of not only allies of everyone else that is not a part of the LGBTQ community, but also, you know, the LGBTQ community, LG, wow, why do I keep saying key and not Q? Ah, the LGBTQ community and just allowing those who feel like they need to hide to no longer hide and to actually, this is something I saw on the most recent season of Queer Eye that Karamo said and honestly, it struck such a chord with me because I feel it doesn't only just resonate or it shouldn't only be sect with this with the LGBTQ community, but it should be with everyone. He's saying instead of saying I'm coming out, he's like, I'm letting people in. I'm letting people into my world and I'm allowing people to understand me and to see me because coming out seems like I'm coming out and I need to align with people's values. I need to align with people's expectations, but I'm letting people in is just the opposite. And it's so much more empowering. And I really really am so excited to watch this show and I hope that this allows anyone and everyone who is already out or who is hoping to come out to feel even more empowered to let everyone in. So anyways, I am so excited about you guys getting to meet Riley. As you can see, our episode is unbelievably silly. We talk about our deep, deep love and obsession with Haruki Murakami, who I know you guys have heard me talk about just obsessively. And we talk about, you know, mental health and depression, which is so wonderful hearing it from his perspective as always. And again, like I said before, one of the reasons why we really, really connect deeply, we also really get into the weeds of screenwriting, writing and kind of the line the vein that is connected with reading and writing or like reading a book and then a screenplay but also the beautiful difference of that and the artistry that goes into it and it's just wonderful I really again I hope you guys enjoy his company as much as I 
do. And please let me know what your favorite part was. I literally have a million favorite parts. And again, I love you guys so, so deeply. And let's just get right to the episode. It's me! It's me, don't you know? Oh my god, wait. Riley, the, the, um, the caterpillar in Bug's life. Oh, I am a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> oh my god, wait, you look so cute and cozy. Ugh, I am sweaty and stinky. You're kidding, from all that brain power. All that brain power. I did buy these things from Erewhon, these like little, um, um, I don't know, they're like brain shot things that are always in Steven Spielberg's fridge, and I always steal them whenever I'm at his house. <gasps> so I was like, oh, I should buy a bunch of these. They were like $10 each. They're like little orange thingies. I've been taking them every day. There's like brain power, all these like different mushrooms and supplements and stuff. Wait, you steal them at Steven Spielberg's house? Spielberg. Spielberg. You're meant to steal there. It's like in the name. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My gosh, well, thank you for doing this. I know you're so busy. You're busy, busy. I'm really excited. It's honestly the most embarrassing thing in the world. Is Because before this job, I used to fake being busy all the time. And now that I actually am busy, I feel like I'm a fraud because I really am busy. And so, like, every, like, literally, my mom was just here for a month. And she'd be like, I'd be like, hey, mama, I'm coming down tonight. And then like 9 p.m. would hit like, hey, mama, still working. I can't. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, in my head, she thinks I'm lying. But I wasn't. And she didn't. She understood. Wait, did she know that you were lying before? No, (gasps) I would never really lie to her. It would just Uh. be like a friend wanted me to go to a concert in carpenteria and i'd be like i can't like i'm busy and um the gag is i wasn't i just didn't want to drive to carpenteria who where even is i know exactly Exactly. it's genuinely is like it's like almost at ojai it's like in between ojai and santa barbara and i'm like i'm not gonna do a concert there (laughs) no like who would like I'm like, it would have to really be for, like, someone. It would have to be, it would have to be an intimate, a small, intimate concert with Beyonce. (gasps) Oh, absolutely. I would go, especially if it's free. Uh, Oh, (laughs) my God. Okay, well, let's just get our booties started. Let's get our booties started. Okay, here we go. Do I need to record anything over here? Uh, I mean, you can if you want, but, like, I'm, I'm recording on my end, so. Okay, great. Oh, wait, I didn't even think about recording the... I don't even know if you're able to record Google Zoom. I, I have no idea. Oh, yeah, this is my first time on here. And so far, it's just like Zoom. It's <laughs> just like Zoom. I know, it's honestly super simple. It's nothing, it is really simple. It's nothing... I also really like that it's, um, it's like, automatically... Like, yeah, when yeah. companies try, I mean, I think it's just because I honestly don't know what it is. 
it's my boss has a weird thing with it too we're like well one she hates zoom so we're like we always try and do dialing calls but there are some people who will send google meet meetings and i'm like hey girl here's a zoom link we'll do that instead and she's like okay Uh, i'm like whatever whatever what what are you gonna ever what are you gonna do about it (laughs) suck it (gasps) wait cheer (gasps) beepers that's what i'm saying Look at us. Oh my god, you! You are the one, Riley, that introduced me to Erwan. Am I really? It was like on a random day. We were with Denise. Whoa, because that's all me and Denise would do every single day is go to Erwan. Yeah, and I got this like crazy, like $17 smoothie. Like, yes. And they turn it into ice cream? Yes. Yum! I used to do that all the time. And everybody's like, why do you get a $20 smoothie? And I'm like, I couldn't tell you, but it's really delicious. I could, I could just tell you that my organs are dancing. My organs are dancing. They're dancing. And my skin is tight. <laughs> I, I can party while still staying young. Oh, bouncing a quarter. Literally. Bounce a quarter. That's a thing. <laughs> Why don't you? I don't want you to bounce a hundred dollar bills on this ass. I'm dying. Oh my god, that'd be a really that'd be a really tight booty if a dollar bounced on it. Tight. That's honestly goals. That's why I should go to Pilates more. Uh, love Pilates. Love Pilates. <laughs> Pilates. Okay. I love Pilates. Pilates for my booty. <laughs> Okay, let's get started. Well, Riley, I just want to say it's just so, it's unbelievable how we've been friends for so long and we've stayed connected and even though I literally miss you every single day and I wish I could sew your eyeballs to mine and we'd just stare at each other. Like Voldemort and Professor Quirrell when like I'm in the back of your head, you take (gasps) off your hair and all of a sudden I'm there. Wee woo! Uh oh! No one, yes, get, no one gets any breaks. It's no like chill or. Like... <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. As soon as one of us is sleeping, the other one just goes full chaos mode. We are just twenty four seven. Uh uh-uh, uh, you're gonna have fun. You're gonna have hi, fun. Hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, enough! No, you. <laughs> Baby, stop that. Just kidding, I'm BB. No, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, the person's listening is like, uh, so <laughs> Oh, that's going to be the whole thing. It's going to be the next. How long is this? Four hours? It's going to be the next four <laughs> Shut up. How long is this? Five million minutes? <laughs> Five million minutes. Honestly, it's going to be four hours. And you're going to have to edit it down to an hour. <gasps> oh. This is going to be rough. Uh, uh, buckle up, Bronco. <laughs> Did you make that up? I've always wanted to say it my whole life, I think. I've always, because it's a bucking Bronco and buckle up, and buckle sounds like bucking. So I always want to say buckle up, Bronco. Or like buckle up, Susie. But buckle up, but buckle up, 
kiddo. Uh, buckle up, Robert. Buckle up, sport. Buckle up, sport. Buckle up, old sport. Wait. Well, that, and that brings us to literature. Ah. Uh. Because of the great Gatsba. Oh, my God. Okay, before we dive in, I just thought about that one guy that you talked to but never met. What was his name? Buck or something? Oh, yeah. I know. Buck. And you know what's so funny? I just wrote a pilot. Not just. I wrote it two years ago, but I just wrote the 10th draft for my boss. Um, And the main character's name is Buck. (gasps) I was like, what a good name for a protagonist who's also the villain. Uh you know wow you know what it is you know what it is oh my gosh okay so riley what book are you reading right now are you reading anything i am reading something and i just started hold on i have it right here i just started i'm on page 10 i should have had this before Ugh, I love that you're getting your backpack. Of course. <gasps> I am reading, of course, by my king, because he's the only person I read. But I'm reading Colorless Tutsu... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I've never said it out loud. Colorless Tsukuru Tazaki by Haruka Murakami. Oh, you know, it's so interesting is so I did this like IG live or whatever with this one bookstagrammer and she's so cool. Like I'll send you her page, like her aesthetic on fire and we, um, and we both like, uh, bonded because I was like oh my god you're a QE like my parents are from there whatever and I'm like wait you're so cool and so anyway so we both were talking about 1Q84 and then I was like oh my god like I just want to get wrecked again by Ruki Marikami and, and she's like read colorless to yeah yeah Tsukuru Tazaki. Yes, she's like it's it's it gives you the feels similar to Norwegian Wood. And I remember like I, I think really? I, I think I opened up the first page. I'm pretty sure the first sentence is like all he thinks about is death, and I was just yes. Like, literally, the first chapter is just him describing death in the most uh, viscerally relatable way I've ever heard it described in my life. Like so, it's so. And also, he describes depression and everything. Oh. I mean, I'm literally on page 10. Like, I just started it. Um, but it's fu- immediately... Because that's what I... I've, this is, like, one of the last ones I have yet to read by him. Um, and the last one I read before this was Norwegian Wood. Oh, my God. I don't know why I saved that for last, but... Um, yeah, it's inc- it's... I mean, the way that he... Because the thing is, his words, um, especially describing death and depression, are not necessarily, like, crazy, huge, big words. Like, he describes it in such a simple way that's in a way that I've never heard it described before. 
totally that is agree. so deeply relatable. It's so deeply like just like oh, I, I have that vocation. Because I mean, if I'm being honest, listen up. I didn't do well in high school and I dropped out of college. I'm not the brightest kid in the book. And so when I listen to, when I read, the, when I read his books, he doesn't use big, crazy words. So I can, but it's so profound and deep and like genius that I can read it, relate to it. And it expands my mind without making me have to Google stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm just done. Who needs college? <laughs> Who needs college? Who needs college? I'm actually dying. I'm not the brightest kid. Let me just... Let me just... I'll, I'll say that. Honest disclaimer right now, if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, it's because I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I am a silly little stupid boy who knows a lot of stuff and also not a lot of stuff at the same time you know all the nonsense stuff the stuff that no one else needs to know <laughs> no one needs to know but i could not tell you how to spell um license or i spell it wrong every time i put the c before the s or s before the c i don't know again i don't know how to spell license there's another one i never know how to spell is it silhouette because i never know how to spell it Silho, yeah, one of those probably, and then um, permanent, I think. Perm? No, that's not it. Permanent? Yeah, probably is. I don't know. A million words. I don't know how to spell. Oh, you're like my own name. My own name. <laughs> I don't know how to spell it. I gave not up. One. What is that? How do you? How do you write it? I gave up 15 years ago. I gave up, honey. I gave up 26 years ago. <laughs> I am. I am done. Oh done, my God. Done, 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 done. wait okay so two things one i love that you say describes death and it's so relatable and i'm like you haven't died yet <laughs> but literally <laughs> i'm like for sure like absolutely this is what this is what it is has to be oh my god it's no the beauty of it is that it, it is him he, not having died but what he wants death to be like. Because oh. like, I hit this spot in my life recently where I'm like not scared of death itself. But what I am scared of is missing out on things. And then also the uh, hurting my friends and family. Mm. But like death itself, I'm not scared of. Mm. But all the other things around it is what's scary. Cause I think death is like so uh, incredible and magical and like what a cool fucking adventure. What a amazing, it's the most mysterious part of life is death. So I'm like not scared of death itself. And I think about death every day, not in like a, uh Oh, I want to die, but in like a, what a cool, what, you know, what a thing that I, that could happen to me mm-hmm. in a, in a, I'm healed from my depression, but what it was, was me being like, you know what? I'm not, instead of trying to fix my depression, I was like, this is a part of who I am. And that doesn't mean I'm wrong or like, I shouldn't feel this way. It just means that I do feel this way. So let me figure out how to find the the beauty in that and the power in that. And then how to mix that into my life as opposed to trying to fix it. Cause I feel like I was hitting my head against the wall, trying to fix it. And I was like, oh, I don't need to fix it. 
I need to just incorporate it into my life and be like, oh, I can relate to people who feel so deeply because I also can feel, I can feel so low. And those lows also make the highs feel so high. And like, it's like such a magical thing to be able to feel because some people don't feel sadness. Some people are like, are so good at pushing it out that they just don't, they just don't feel it. And what a beautiful thing to connect with people on sadness, blah, 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 blah. You know? Yada, yada, (laughs) yada. Yada, 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 zoo. (laughs) I love that you went into that. I know there's this one, there's this like one thought I always, I always have, but it obviously lasts for like two seconds because I'm like, wait, I I love me and I love my deep soul. It's like, God, I wish I could just like get a break. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Like I it's just like care so much and I absorb so much, but then I'm like, okay, but then where would the color of life be? Like where would like the abundance and love be? Like, I don't want to be, I mean, obviously yes. Like my anxiety, depression, ADHD is way, way better than it was. Like even just like six months ago, a year ago, but still it's like, even today it's, it was funny because I kind of started the day not feeling like super high, like feeling kind of discouraged. But then what's nice is now I'm like, I know I'm going to end the day well. Like I'm going to do everything I can to end the day well, or at least like find something really little to make my day. And obviously this is making my day or like reading is making my day. Like there's just little, little things. And I, again, like what you just said, it's like, it only makes the highs so much better, but it's like those little beautiful things like that just make your day. Like I look over and I have like my beautiful orange and pink flowers. I'm like, oh, like it's just nice. Like it it's just, so it, you don't like overlook the small beauties. Totally. Well, because the, the gag is, is that when you're feeling really low and sad, all the beautiful, wonderful things in life still exist, but you're just focusing on the sad. And when you're feeling really happy and good, all the sad, awful things, your anxieties, they also still exist, but you're not focusing on them. Mm-hmm. So it's like being able to be like, they all, ex- being able to allow them to coexist together as opposed to being like, no, I'm not supposed to feel that way. I'm not supposed to be sad. Like me having depression and having to take medication may- means it's bad. You know, I was like, no, that's not true. That is a part of who I am. That's how part of how I was built. So, like, let's figure out how to way to make that work, babe. Because yes, we have to do. Yes, I also like love my meds. I'm like, we stand. It's medicine, is what it is. It's like when you have diabetes, you take insulin. It's like chemotherapy with cancer it is medicine yes. it like it heals you it's like i feel like there's this weird stigma around medicine and antidepressants and just like you know being like you shouldn't rely on those i'm like but it's medicine it like it it helps it helps my sickness and allows me to live with it as opposed to suffering like I can't, you know, more than you need to Exactly. It's just medicine. Oh my gosh. It's like Mary Poppins said a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine makes the medicine go down. <laughs> I literally want to die. You're like, I wish I was Mary Poppins. I'm I literally so... do. I would kill to be Mary Poppins. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, the fact that we've had like literally like a ten minute conversation about depression is 
life. <laughs> let's start it off. Let's start this interview off correct. Let's do you. it right, you guys. Okay. I, let it, let us. Die. I also love how this all started from you saying we've known each other a long time, and now all of a sudden we're here. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. we're so depressed. No, I'm kidding. Absolutely. We're really sad. We're really not doing. <laughs> you like choke on the ice. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> that got dark. Oh, <sighs> okay. So I feel like you'll love this. What is your earliest memory of reading? My earliest memory of reading, I think. Okay, my earliest. Okay, well, my earliest memory of a book was. What's that book? The big. Not the big juicy caterpillar. You're actually kidding. It was not called Big Juicy Caterpillar. But you know what it is? The okay. big something. We we can call it the big juicy caterpillar. That book, that children's book, that was not that. But it's like books like that, the rainbow fish, if you give oh, a big opinion. Um and then I think the first books I read myself were Magic Treehouse. That's the first chapter book I read was Magic Treehouse. Mm. And then second grade or third grade. I started reading Harry Potter mm. and that is what hooked me. That's when I was like, stay up all night, like with a flashlight under my blankets. And my mom would get so mad at me for reading at night because I would stay up all night. I would not sleep. And then after Harry Potter was, um, Peter and the star catchers and then Alex Ryder and then Aragon and then. Tarragon. Just kidding. Tarragon. <laughs> Aragon, and then there's another one that I was obsessed with. Oh, Percy Jackson, of course. Um, and those were like my books. But then when high school hit, like ninth grade, that's when I got really depressed. Mm. And I did not read a single book from high school all the way through college and through, I think, until like three years ago. Wow. Three years ago. Or five years. I don't know, whatever. So I was I was in my twenties. I didn't read a book from ninth grade to my twenties. Except for and I still would get A's in all my papers because I'm so good at bullshitting. And I would just like spark notes in it and bullshit and I would get A's on everything. But I did read The Great Gatsby because it was so short and I read the whole, I had like a whole semester to do a whole research project on the great Gatsby, Mm. like a a 15 page thesis, whatever from my AP literature class. And I read the whole thing the day before and I wrote the whole essay the night before and I got an A on the whole project. And then my friend in school actually read his book and had been working on his whole project for like three months and he got a C. It was furious at me, but I was like, what are you going to do? I was born for this, you know. What are you going, I was born for stress. I was born born for. I was born for stress. But yeah, Great Gatsby was the only book I read from ninth grade to my 20s. I guess that's only like five, six years, but still. (laughs) I'm like the common denominator. The common. reading. I know. Just get this. And then I got back, but I was obsessed with it as a kid. I would read, because we didn't have TV growing up. I didn't have TV. Mm. 
And so we would just play outside, like build fairy homes and build forts and stuff in the woods. And then, or like, honestly, the most fun I've ever had in my life was rolling down a hill. I would do it every single day for fun with my siblings. You just roll down hills or play in the fern forest. But it was reading was like my entertainment. I was like the whole world I could create in my head. I loved it. I loved reading. Oh my God. <laughs> and I think, excuse me, I think that's why I love Haruki Murakami because it feels like dreamlike fantasy in a grounded, realistic adult place. Yes. Which sort of, it, it, can, it can trigger and feed the parts of me that loved all the books I used to read as a, as a kid and also feed into what I crave as an adult right now with my adult brain, you know? Mm. Okay, I love that you said that because something that I found so interesting about 1Q84 was that this book was, like, unbelievably complex. Like, couldn't believe the imagination that went into this. And I was not confused once. Yes. And I was like, am I just, like, really smart? (laughs) Also... He's, like, an incredible writer because, one, he just writes so clearly and the structure of the conversation and the story development is so, so clear, even though there are two stories converging. But what I also love is what I really realized in um, Just Finished Wild Sheep Chase, and Um. I actually really loved it more than I thought I would. And... I love that Haruki Murakami breaks the fourth wall. Yes. The character's like, wait, I'm sorry, what's going on? And then it's so smooth where, you know, whoever's talking, the protagonist is kind of conversing. And it sounds like so natural to conversation. And you're like, okay, 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 I'm kind of caught up. Like, I get it now. But, like, I just, I don't know. Like, it's just funny because in Wild Sheep Chase, like, it's a lot more satirical and, like, black humor and the character just be like, I'm sorry, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. me too. Like, I don't That's know the what's thing going is he on. Brings, he brings the reader on the same journey as the characters are going on, which is why 1Q84 was so mind-blowing because he brought us on two different journeys at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading those journeys, I almost didn't know... I. I mean, I knew, but, like, when they came together, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it felt so, I just chills all, because the worlds that he built, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's breaking that fourth wall. It's sort of including the reader in on the gag, on the joke. It's like, this is, you're confused, they're confused. I'm also confused, but I'm writing this. You know, it's just, it's like all the... And also how simple everything is, too. Like, mm-hmm. all the time they're just drinking a milk for breakfast and, like, a beer and udon noodles. And I'm just like, you are... I love how much they cook. Oh, my God. All they do is cook and smoke cigarettes and then go on these crazy adventures. And I'm like, what on earth? Uh, this is what we're supposed to do, I guess, with life? I don't know. Literally? And he has this book, um, Men Without women Mm. which is like a collection of short short stories and each short story feels it creates a whole world and it almost allows you to dive into the worlds of these characters without 
200 pages of set up to get to know them it's like he doesn't even give you an opportunity to get to know them he just throws you into the world and you he like you watch these characters navigate the world without explaining really anything for like a couple chapters and you're like oh this is just how the world works it's like teaching by example type of thing yes yes and i love that because it's almost like no not even almost it's it's like um it's like show versus tell and i'm sure like we can we'll definitely dive into this as we kind of because i definitely want to dive into like uh books and writing and how they've inspired like your screenwriting and your work and stuff and how you view Mm -hmm. movies whatever whatever but what i love that he does is it's like not only is it is he showing rather than telling and it's so hard to do in writing it's so hard but also it's like the he makes the mundane so spectacular like i'll never like one of my favorite scenes in norwegian wood was when toru was with Medico, I forget her name. Mm-hmm. Midori, uh, Medico with her dying father in the hospital, just taking care of yes. him. Yes, yes. And it was just so stunning. Yeah. I loved it. it. Was so stunning, and he just fed him a cucumber, and like you know, I was just like, and whenever anyone mentions eating a cucumber, I think of that scene in Totoro, where they're running to the garden, they take that cucumber, go with the whole thing on it, and they, oh, gorgeous. Oh, my. And every single time I've eaten a cucumber like that, I want it to feel like it did in Totoro, but it never does. It never does. It never does, does, and I get really mad for two minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm furious. I'm like, I'm never eating a vegetable again. And then you eat cucumbers again. And then I eat cucumbers again. I'm like, let me try this again. (gasps) And then when I eat cucumbers, when they're sliced up or diced up or whatever, I'm like, this just isn't this way you're supposed to eat these you have to bite into the whole thing there needs to be like a like a like a marikami like recipe book or like a restaurant guide or something yes right i would love i would love absolutely love how simple and delicious oh my gosh okay so what were the books that really inspired you on your path? Because you've had such an interesting one. Like, you've always been so creative. And you've just, like, flourished with life, like, ever since I've known you. Even though, obviously, you're, like, peace out with depression. Like, that was... Because, like, that's that's why we also are still close after so many years and dealing with, yeah. like, not Well, we've very... seen each through a lot of... <laughs> we have! A lot of shit. Right. Even if we're not necessarily, like side by side we every time we connect it's like oh yeah i've gone through this crazy thing i'm going through this crazy thing but the phases that you and i have both been through in the past eight years is just bonkers and now look at where we are isn't that crazy literally bonka donks bonka donko bonko bronco Bronco, Bronco, buckle up, Bronco. Buckle up, Bronco. I just want to, maybe I just name this podcast Buckle Up Bronco. Buckle up, Bronco. Honestly, that's what this is. Buckle up, Bronco. Because the books that did inspire me, I mean, it seems so cheesy to say Harry Potter, but that was my first introduction. My first introduction into a whole new world. 
And the reason why I loved Harry Potter, I'm still not really a Lord of the Rings girl. I'm more of a Harry Potter lad because Harry Potter, I genuinely think, like, Harry Potter does exist in the world that we live in right now. We just don't know about it because they're wizards they can't tell us. Lord of the Rings is some other, you know, fantasy. Harry Potter was set with us which is why I sobbed on my 11th birthday when I didn't get my letter to Hogwarts. I waited all day for my letter to Hogwarts. I thought I was special. I thought I was a wizard. And then it turns out I was just gay. I was like, I'm so different from everyone. I know I'm a wizard. I know for sure I have all these special powers. Nope, not a thing. But Harry Potter was my first introduction to a whole new world. Peter and the Starcasters was a book that made me... Um, it almost like took this fantasy world. Even I, even at the young age I was when I read it, it was like, oh, it's taking something that we know, which is Peter Pan, and it is completely expanding that world to infinity. And it was so beautiful. It was so incredible. I loved that book. It inspired me so much. And then... And then it was Alex Ryder, which was more action-adventure, which I loved because I felt like I wanted to be Alex Ryder. That's, like, the person I wanted to be but not who I was. So it was, like, an escape for me was Alex Ryder. Um... Are you needing a revamp on your website? Have you been building your new business or rebranding your new business, but you're either not really feeling the logo, the colors, the direction, or you're not even sure where to really begin? Please, I am telling you, look no further. Ashley Munson, creative director and founder of Libra Collective, will take amazing care of you. Libra Collective is a studio that designs brands, packaging, and illustrations for passionate people. Ashley will help you from top to bottom. Strategize and design a brand aligned with your story, values, and mission to connect with your ideal target audience. Create beautiful packaging with intentional materials and detail to elevate your products and sketch, render, and implement original illustration for your branding, product, or service. So I've been working with Ashley for about two years and not only is she unbelievably talented and gifted in her work and her craft, but she is so attentive. She is so transparent with her values, her direction, her mission, but also with her complete flow, her workflow, because I feel like sometimes when you are really interesting a lot of money and a big investment and really your vision into someone, people can really leave you by the wayside. And of course, it's again, it's a it's a difficult path to follow when you're already putting yourself out there. But she has truly been one of the best investments I've ever made for myself for dog your book club and for my new business embody your soul i cannot wait to work with her for upcoming business projects and really just working with her is such a delight and it really really makes my day so are you ready to invest in one of the best investments you'll ever make as an entrepreneur or business owner Ashley has provided the dog ear community with an amazing deal. So for those of you looking to build your personal business or brand, simply use the code dogear21 and receive 15% off the brand kit. That's over $300 off. Head over to libracollective.com and begin your journey today. 
I promise you will thank yourself and your brand will thank you too. And then I feel like I don't really know what the jump was from that writing to my writing now. So I feel like that translates more to mm-hmm. my writing now more from the television that I watch. But I feel like the television that I watch is so good at being grounded while also having a sense of fantasy, which I think stems from... Because, I mean, the books I read as a kid created these whole worlds. And so I would create my own worlds as a kid because I didn't, you know... I didn't have TV. All I had to do was read or go play outside. And so I'd like create these worlds with my stuffed animals, with the fairies, with the, with yes. the ferns, whatever. <clears throat> and so it like really allowed me, gave me permission to create worlds that were anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And so now in my writing, I do create, I tell stories the thing, I think the reason why I love to write and why I'm a great writer, writer is because when I write, I really do feel limitless and I really do feel like I can make anything happen because even if I'm writing in a grounded real world, like where we are right now, I'm still pulling it from my imagination. And because my imagination's limitless, like these other worlds are. I can do anything I want to do. Like, I don't necessarily feel... I mean, I do, especially now working in network television for a long time, I do feel like I have the rules ingrained in me to where now I'm not conscious of those rules when I'm writing. I just write anything I want to, and I'm aware of the structure... And the structure feels good as opposed to me feeling like I should do that structure. It feels good because I'm like, oh, this is the technically perfect way to tell a story for television in one hour or in 30 minutes is because it's structured this way. And so if I write it in this structure, I can get the most out of that amount of time is what it is. Because like that's, you know... That's what television, television, all television is structured, except for there's like Euphoria was not structured at all because it was just Sam Levinson writing alone. He didn't have a writer's room. Mm. It's like nothing. He didn't have people to track stuff. He didn't have people to, it was, Euphoria is more of a character development exposition as opposed to series arc, episode arc, whatever. And which I think is brilliant and so cool. And because it's so different from what I know in terms of writing television. But I do love having that structure ingrained in me now when I write. I feel limitless. I feel like I can pull from anything while also being able to do it in the most concise, best way to tell the story and keeping people in it. As opposed to writing a long movie, you know, which... I mean, would I watch it? Only if everyone else did. If everyone else watched a five-hour-long movie, I would because I had to be a part of something. But if no one else watched it, no way in hell I'd watch it that way. Oh, my gosh. I, like, love... I love so many of the... Of what you... I love so many of the words that you said. Just, 
that reading gives you permission. And I think that, I think that's what is one of the many gifts of reading is I feel like so many of us live in this world and we're born into this world and we feel so eccentric and different and weird and we feel like we're not really given permission but then when we read these stories in these worlds it's like wait that's me and even though obviously it's not like you because it's like oh it's like a fucking dragon the thing is you you can relate to it because you are reading the, the author is giving you the words to make it what you want it to be and so i can re- if i wanted to I could relate to every character that's ever been written because I can take the words in front of me and in my head, I can turn it into whatever I want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like a foundation when your brain then builds the whole house around the words, mm-hmm. which is why, oh, so, like watching movies or television, it's like, you have to sort of take what they're giving you, but reading a book, you are creating the movie and television in your head based off of the structure of the words. So it's like any character, you might be, you might be like, oh, I am this character. And someone who's so different from you will be like, oh, I am, I am this character too. And it's like, you're so different, but you're each taking different things from the character and view and playing the whole book through a different perspective than the other person is. So you relate to it in different ways because it's just, it's words which everyone has access to. Everyone has access to words and reading, but no one else has access to your brain. And so it's like it's like putting something in one side and then every you can put in the same words on one side of your brain and on the other side of your brain, something different comes out for everyone. And so that's why books are like so special because every single person reads them differently. Like every single, it's almost like how I'm always like, do you think, okay, or something. Do you think that I'm like, maybe, maybe people see things different. Like maybe the way that I view how you look and how my TV looks and my light and everything, maybe to you, I look like Shrek, what I think Shrek looks like. And my TV looks like a toaster to you. And my light looks like a whatever, but it all makes sense yeah and then i'm like you know but like if you think i look like shrek to me shrek's ugly but to you maybe shrek's gorgeous you know but shrek's not ugly i'm sorry i said that shrek's not ugly he's he's honestly <gasps> hot oh my god like, i'm literally dead you're like i would be so flattered <laughs> i would be lucky honey i'd be a lucky boy Oh, uh, that tower scene in the opening of Shrek 1 when he's in his shower <laughs> in the mud is horny, 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 horny shower scheme. I'm literally going to die. I mean, oh. his butt crack, that is porn. That is pornography. His butt crack. butt crack. Are you, butt crack. Butt crack. Butt crack. Butt crack. Butt crack. <laughs> That's like... That's like our mating call. <laughs> and the fellas come running. Oh come my god, running. can't keep them off of us. Can't keep them off. I have to shoo them away. But crack, but crack. Oh my god, I need some breathing room. I need a breath. Let me have a breather, fellas. 
Oh, come on, let me think about it, fellas. Give me a chance to think about breathe, it. Breathing out of a straw. Yeah. <laughs> My anxiety breathing. Oh, God. A paper bag. And that's what dating's life in Los Angeles. <gasps> Oh my goodness. I know. It's like Alec and I have been together for over a year. I'm like, that's 10 years in Los Angeles. That is 10 years, years in Los Angeles. That's a million, jillion years. Oh, truly. I'm like, wow. I feel so accomplished. Absolutely. Honestly, <laughs> you've been married. You are married. <gasps> married queen. Married queen. Oh wow. my God. Oh wow. my. <laughs> I'm dying. Okay. Okay. Fun question. So, okay, well, obviously, first, like, I mean, which Rookie Mary comic book would you want to see in a movie or write or adapt into something? But then also, what is a book that is not Rookie Mary comic because we can't stop talking about them that yes. you think needs to be adapted into a movie? Okay. I mean,. The gag is we've talked about 1Q84 a lot because it is my favorite book of his. And I would kill to see that turn into a movie. Um, I'd say five um, hours. Oh, my God. Like, genuinely, I've thought about writing it, but I'm just like, there's no way I could afford the IP to his book. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, but let me... Okay, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. Mm. I also loved... Um, and I would love that to be a movie as well. What is the other one? Remember that woman, Norwegian Wood. Killing Commendator. Oh, after the quake I loved. But I think it would be 1Q84. Oh. Um, would be my... My my book to make into a movie because it's just the world it creates is just absolutely genius holy crap okay i also just remember this i meant to say something but then obviously like we're so adhd but like when you said how he brings you into the world and you're so a part of it and then all of a sudden they come together and it's so intense and it's definitely because it's like the worlds are so big and they it just feels almost impossible like no way like they're just steps apart and they haven't even seen each other blah 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 and then all of a sudden they come together and it's just like love truly defeats all boundaries (laughs) all alternate universes because it feels like they're both in different universes they're not living in the same world and then all of a sudden they are and there's two moons in the sky and just like it's so uh absolutely brilliant oh my god i think it would make the most stunning 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 film oh my god um but i do i that's actually honestly what has stopped me from writing is i do feel like it would have to be japanese made it would have to be Mm. written in japanese with english subtitles Mm. but my books i would want to turn into the books that are not haruki murakami for me that I'd want to see adapted would be this book, Gypsy Boy. Um, which was the book that got me back into reading. Um the first narrative book that it was the first book that got me back into reading in my twenties. 
that was just the most beautiful heart. It was the first time I had cried reading since Dumbledore died in Harry Potter 6. Like, it was so... Let me... Hold on. I have it on my shelf. Let me find the author. It is... Gypsy... Yes. Gypsy Boy by Mikey Walsh. And I think it is a autobiography about his life being... Growing up a, a gay gypsy and sort of being... Um, banished from everything he knows nobody wanted him and like trying to you know create wow. that whole also the power of one mm -hmm. um is which i would love to see made into a movie but then also okay so okay so power of one was my favorite book in middle school is when i read that gypsy mm -hmm. boy has got, got me back into reading and then My two favorite books as an adult outside of Haruki Murakami um, have been Jenny Slate's book, Little mm, Weird. Yes. And then Abby Jacobson's book. And I think Abby Jacobson's book would be an incredible film. Because her whole... She wrote this book. Um, basically, the whole premise of the book is like, her whole life, she never really had, like, a serious boyfriend. It was like, am I going to be single forever? Maybe I don't want a boyfriend. And then she realizes that she's queer. And she gets in her first relationship with a woman that lasts two years. And they break up. And it's the first time that Abby's felt heartbreak. Mm. And so the whole book is Abby takes a road trip after filming the last season of Broad City. And she drives from New York to Los Angeles and she takes two weeks and she wrote the whole book in that span of time of sort of documenting her healing and how she's feeling and her questions and her anger and the things that made that got her to this point and the places that she could go after this point. And just sort of like, it's her whole... It's everything that she felt during this time in a book while she's driving across the country and seeing the whole country in a way that she's never seen it before. Mm. And it's so... It came into my life at such an important time. as After my, my first heartbreak is when I found the book. I was right when it came out. And it was so healing and so beautiful. And there's this one chapter where she describes the f she describes the heartbreak and the first like five pages are how it felt to fall in love and what made her fall in love and all the beautiful things about being in love wow and then all of a sudden it just says and then suddenly somehow it was over and then the last Ten, five pages, ten pages of the chapter are like how everything that she ch had just written about when it was all pulled away from her at once and like how that felt and sort of being like, oh, like was that fake? No, it wasn't because that is who I am, like blah, 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 blah. But it was like such a beautiful 
such a beautiful, relatable, and honest, deep look into... It's like almost someone figuring out that they are heartbroken and what that means on in writing in front of you. But it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. I would love um, for that to be adapted because that book... You know, it, it, it would be hard because a lot of it goes goes back to Broad City and goes back to certain family elements, but it's so beautiful. Oh. And Jenny Slate's book is like that too. Jenny Slate wrote that book when she moved back home mm-hmm. uh, after her divorce and was really, really, really low and heartbroken. She wrote that book. And it was just like finding the little beautiful things in life and describing them. It was just so, both those books are so stunning and beautiful. And also Mindy Kaling's books, too. I love Mindy Kaling's books. She's so brilliant. She's brilliant. She's a genius. She's a genius. Absolute genius. She really is. Mm. But I think if I were to adapt one book, it would be Gypsy Boy. Oh, my God. That would be so fucking cool. That would be an awesome. Or Peter and the Starcatchers. Which I want to adapt so bad to this most magical, magical, magical magical book in the whole wide world and it was almost it was turned into a play sort of and then it was they tried to adapt it into a movie in 2012 but it never got done but Disney still owns the IP so Mm. and since I worked for Disney I'm like trying to be like hey girl what's the deal with this IP so you work for Disney now what's your deal Technically, I work for 20th Century, which is owned by Disney. Oh, okay. Because my friend, Cassie, works for Disney. Oh, my God. Disney owns everything. Like, all the shows we pitch, we have to pitch to Disney-owned companies. Jeez. Which is, at first, which is Hulu, ABC, Fox, FX, uh, Freeform, like, all that Jongavis, and then... If they all say no, then we can pitch outside of Disney companies or Disney Plus. So it's like a whole, they own literally everything. I'm like, is that even okay? That's like Monopoly. It literally is a Monopoly. That's fucking wild. Oh my God. Okay. So what are the similar ties between reading and screenwriting and is there something about screenwriting that is refreshing versus from reading and then is there something from reading that's refreshing from screenwriting or reading a script i think the the, i think the main difference is when is screenwriting is meant to be visually represented it's like meant to be seen visually whereas writing a book um which I've never done before. My friend just wrote a 400-page book. And she read it chapter by chapter to me. And it was such an incredible experience because I was like, oh, this book that you wrote, I'm experiencing it in the way that I am that's so different from how other people experience it. Like, Writing a book is writing, even like the author may have what had their experience in the book, but everyone's going to experience it differently. And I feel like writing screenplays, people will experience it differently, but it's going to be much more, it's going to be represented in one specific way. 
Um, but even then, I think that's the key in writing television and movies is you sort of have to, and it took me a long time to sort of, I guess it honestly did not take me that long to find my voice. I've always sort of had my, my voice. Oh. But it's like, you have to have a signature. Like you have to, when people read my writing, they're, you know, and you know, sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but um, I've been through therapy and I'm like, I have to be proud of myself. I have to say what's true. My yes. people read my writing. They're like, I can tell you wrote this. Like I, my writing has such a clear Riley signature, which I feel like is so important when writing um, screenplays and movies, because when directors and when executives and production companies read your writing, if it's the thing that will make it feel different from other movies is telling the story through your specific voice. And I feel like television and movies, that's so important. Whereas books, you can tell a story through a million different voices. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so important as an author in a book, but in television, I feel like it's really important to be able to be able to be a chameleon and like camouflage into different perspectives, but really being able to hone in on your perspective on stories because um, that is what's going to set you apart from every other screenwriter. Because if you blend into everything, then people are going to be like, oh, I, I really like this script, but I didn't like this one. So he's sort of all over the place. But if you have your one voice, it's like, oh, this is so clearly Riley. This is so clearly this person. And I know that he may not be a fit for this project, but he'd be genius at writing this project because this mm. project is that voice. Mm -hmm. You know, because as a screenwriter, you're sort of a product um, where it's all, it is about the artistry, but it's also, and this is sort of controversial, but I, I feel like in the film and television industry, um, it is about talent, being able to do it, and it's a lot about who you know and who you are as a person and how you're able to interact with people, get people to like you, but then once you have a break or once you start momentum, if you want to sustain a career over the next 60 years, you have to sell yourself. Like, you have yeah. to have a brand. You have to get people to love you. You have to get people to root for you and like want you for certain things because this would fit you so well and they, you you know it's like you have to become a it's like beyonce her brand is so much bigger than any human could possibly be you know what i mean it's like having a name like having an image and a brand like that because you create that brand and then when you present work it's that brand that people know and love and are excited for so it's like that is what the television and honestly, I guess writing industry is too. It's like you have to um, just get people excited and rooting for you personally just as much as they root for your work type of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the biggest difference between writing screenplays or writing books is just sort of the visual representation um, and also sort of as an author of a book of course you have an editor but you put it out how you wrote it yes 
Whereas television and movies, like, you write a script and, you know, like, if you're not the showrunner, like, someone, you write a script and then a studio buys it. And the studio buys it and is like, oh, but I want to change this, 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 this. And then you sort of have to change those things in order to push forward with the studio. Or if you say no, you have to go find someone else who really wants exactly what you want. But it's a lot more collaborative doing television and films because then the studio gives their notes. And then you sell it to a network, the network gives their notes. And then you bring in a director and you bring in a showrunner. And they each have their separate notes. And it's sort of like a combination of a million different minds being guided through the story that you provided. But it's it all, every single thing, I mean, like... I don't know if I'm about to say this. I read the pilot of Euphoria, the original pilot. Hmm. The original pilot, Zendaya kills Jacob Elordi's character. And, like, the whole story is supposed to be, like, this is why I killed Nate. Wow. And that was the original first draft of the pilot. And I probably shouldn't have said that. Whatever. And then the whole rest of... um, you know, throughout the process of creating a television, everything changes and everything becomes so different from what the first draft is. Mm. Interesting. (coughs) You know, it's so funny. Okay. Here's, here's, here's my thing is like, obviously there's so many shows to watch and I don't like Alec is like, you have to watch Euphoria, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like, in my day, and I either want to read or, like, watch shenanigans, like, Absolutely. I don't want to go to bed, like, feeling sad and traumatized, yes. but, um, so I always, he always, like, gets, not, like, actually mad, but, like, I'm like, so what happened to Euphoria? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, give me the tea, he's like, well, what was it, what was it, the last time he was, like, uh, the girl Maddie stole this like video of Jacob, the whatever his name is, dad. Because the very very first scene is like very damning to him, and like it was like a whole. Yes. thing. I was like, oh my god. <gasps> I know it's juicy as hell. I will say, as a writer though, I don't think, I think the I because the problems I had with Euphoria, is that there was because there's not a writer's room. It's just Sam writing it. That's interesting. Why is, is that? It's very interesting. I mean, it Euphoria is a, and I'm sure, you know, you have other perspectives and stuff of helping in with the writing because Sam works with the actors. He gets to know the actors, works with the actors, and co- he's a collaborative artist with his performers and with the cin- cinematographer, with, with a lot of people. But his art, Euphoria, is much more character-driven and visually driven mm-hmm. than it is plot-driven. Yeah. And so, like, there, it, there is plot, but that's not necessarily what drives the show. What drives the show is the character development um, mm-hmm. and the, the beauty of, and the metaphorical, the metaphorical beauty and the visual beauty of the show. Mm-hmm. As opposed to necessarily plot and, like, tracking plot and, like, um it's 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 different from what a lot of television is which is what hbo does hbo gives money and then allows the artists to create what they want to create as opposed to network where they're meeting with you every single week and giving you notes and like making sure everything's exactly the way they want type of thing 
Oh my god. So crazy. Okay. Just because I'm getting tie tie. So Absolutely. last few I know. I'm like, you're probably exhausted by you. I'm so tired. I have so much work to do after this, too. I'm just like floating on a cloud. Kidding. I'm I'm still dying at how you were a busy imposter and now you're busy. And now I literally all I do is work. But I've allowed myself to be like, you know what? I am in my mid twenties. It's the time of my life where I feel like it is okay for me to sacrifice everything and put it into my job. Oh my Whereas like, you know, when I have a family, when I ha- want to do all this stuff, I'm like, that's, I don't want to, I don't want to work the way I am now when I'm older. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, right now, I guess I can work the way I am now. So that way when I'm older, I don't have to, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's fun though. It's fun doing creative work all the time. That's very fun. Oh, no. And honest, I mean, again, like ever since I met you, I especially, I remember when we connected in LA, like you've been working for years for this. So. God, I know. Oh my god, I know. You've seen me at one million restaurant jobs. Oh my god. No, I just never forget when I had way too many mimosas at Amy's birthday. Oh my god. And I couldn't drive home and I stayed at your like weird little like loft studio place. And you were so depressed and it literally smelled like garbage and I like slept on like a I slept on like a futon and I was like, wow, we are at like the weirdest lows right now. Like literally rock bottom. God, it was disgusting. Ugh. How we've grown. Now I live in a house and have a job and I do my whole damn thing. Wait, and you have a car. And I have a I have a car. I have I have a I have a Peloton. I have a (gasps) car. I have a SOHO-ass membership, baby. We're doing it. Oh, my to... God. I remember... What was it? Yeah, you told my birthday party. You're like, I have a Peloton. <laughs> what did you spray um, on your face? I'm dying. Colonial silver. It's a little silver oh, Peloton. It takes my redness away. I love that. But don't you... Are you supposed to eat it, or can you also spray it on your face? Spray it on my face. You can do both. Wait. But this is... This is topical. I mean, this is... um Yeah, for the face. Oh, because I was like, ooh, I want to spray it on my face, but then... It's amazing. <laughs> but I'm like, wait, what if I'm not supposed to spray mine on my face? That'd be so funny. I do... This is what my esthetician told me to do, is do oh. copper particles and then silver particles. Because the copper takes away the redness, the silver neutralizes the tone and helps, like, prevent impurities or whatever. Oh, my God. And then she's a genius. She's like a scientist. She literally is a scientist. She's a genius. Oh my God. Okay. So if there is a book you think someone, someone, what's a book that you think people need to read right now? A book that I think people need to read right now. Now, oof, that's hard. Because I feel like all the books I read are for the purpose of escapism, and not necessarily mm. to, not necessarily to like change anything. We still gain, I mean, even, like, the books we love that we share are so escapist, but also it's, like, they've expanded us so much. Truly. Mm -hmm. 
That's very true. I mean, dang. That's a really hard question. Okay, let me let me look at my shelf of all the books that I've read. The Kate, the gag is though, I'm because I'm trying to think of a book that I haven't mentioned before. I know. I was saying this question and I was like, fuck. Because all the books that I've said, I would implore everyone to read. I also so I might regret this is the Abby Jacobson book. Um, Love is a mixtape is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. Um, that's an autobiography about someone who's really sick. Um, and just sort of like exploring this new sense of life through a whole completely different lens. Mm. Um, the reader. I mean, I might regret this by Abby Jacobson. It's beautiful. And also Little Weirds by mm. Jenny Slade. Um, no, don't read Ishmael. I hated it. Shut the up. <laughs> I fucking hated it. Wait, why? It's it funny that you like still have it. So you just look at it. I fucking hate this book. I fucking hate this book so much. Also, Three Cups of Tea, a scam. Man lied to everybody. Um, uh, I die. You, 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 like, you need to like do book reviews. I a scam, a lie. A scam, hated it. Yeah. Skip over. The nest was sort of like succession. And sort of a fun little look into, like, a world that I feel like everyone can relate to but cannot. It's, like, the upper middle class. I mean, I guess more upper class. It's, like, someone dies and it's all these rich kids fighting over the trust fund, and I loved it. Um, I don't know. There's so many tortilla curtain I loved. God, there's so I, I tried to, oh my god, okay. I genuinely think the book that everyone should read right now is Eclipse. Ooh. Um, the third book in the Twilight series. It is genuinely, or New Moon, but Eclipse is the horniest book and the most beautiful, stunning, <sighs> the most incredible book I've ever read in my life. Honestly, yeah. We'll see Eclipse. I'm dying about Eclipse. Or where the crawdads sing that that book made me stop, 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 stop. Okay, because okay, stop. the fact that you're like you write, you like really good writing. I've been like hesitant to read it because I'm just like it was just on the New York Times bestseller list for so many weeks, and I was like, this is not fair. I mean, it's definitely it's def it de it's definitely a little basic. Mm. It's like a classic New York Times basic book that moms love <gasps> but it's also um i think because it's basic it's easy to get into oh and then it just it takes you sort of on an emotional journey that you've been on before but in in a beautiful way it is a beautiful book okay it's a beautiful book but i okay i think i think the book that everybody should read right now is Abby Jacobson's book, I May Regret This. Oh, I really love that. It's a beautiful, beautiful book with so many, like, 
she is just the most honest I've ever seen anyone be honest in that mm. book. And, like, she has a, a chapter about the first episode she directed of Broad City um, where she felt like she wasn't... She felt like if she weren't... Like, there were some moments where she didn't know how to do something. It's her first time ever directing. And she felt like if she asked questions then people would think that she shouldn't be the director and that she doesn't deserve to be there and that mm. she doesn't know what she's doing, so, like, we shouldn't listen to her type of thing. Mm. But then it goes into, like, no, every single person who's done anything is doing it because they were taught how to do that. Yeah. And, like, it's so... And every single person who does anything is doing it because they got knowledge from somebody else. It's like everything is collaborative. Every single thing in the world is collaborative. And so it's so important to ask questions and to admit that you don't know how to do something because if you admit you don't know how to do something, then all of a sudden you'll learn how to do it because people will be like, oh, I can teach you. You know, it's like, it was such a, it's just like stuff like that where it, uh, every single chapter was so beautiful. Mm. That book, and I absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. <gasps> loved it, loved it, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Oh, that's so good. <clears throat> you know, okay, so I need to give you an author recommendation. Please. Um, it's so funny because Alec was like, BB, BB, like, read this book. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, I'm, like, really funny about my my list of books I've, you know, yet to read. Like, I, I'm such a mood reader, which I'm sure you are, yes. too. And I was like, okay, yes. like, I'm just, you know, whatever. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to read this book. And so it's this author. You pro- Maybe you've heard of him, but his name's Carl Ove Nosgaard. And Ooh. he's Norwegian. And he got his claim to fame because he wrote this six, six books called My Struggles. And it's just pretty much about his life. And... It is the most fucking spectacular thing ever. Like, the first book is about his dad dying. And it's just so, like, his writing is, like, so up my alley where it's, like, really train of thought and really beautiful. And it's, like, yes. it's like you're sitting there feeling his breath on your skin. And he's so, it's, like, what was it? There's this one review Alec and I laugh about, like, laugh so hard at. It's, like, so would I read another, like you know five books of like 500 pages and like whatever whatever about his life yes <laughs> yes absolutely that's okay i am gonna read him because that is why i love abby jackson's abby mm. jackson's book and jenny slate's book and haruki murakami is oh. where it feels so train of thought off the there it's like it almost feels like there there were no revisions and no yes, uh, thought into it so like you're, mean you're just vomiting it all onto the page and that's exactly how you feel it feels so raw like raw human emotion and when it's when it feels like that it feels so relatable but f- told from a different perspective because it's so honest to the other person's perspective and so it feels so cool to be able to relate to somebody who is not you. Yes. Um, I love reading. I love yeah, books. I know. Isn't it just the best? I know. It's like, it almost, it weirdly, it's so funny. This made me think, like, 
reading not only gives you a break from your own self and your own thoughts, but then it just brings you closer to your own self because like, because you're relating and you're, you're empathizing and you're building a world and you're like, wait, oh my gosh, it's just, ah. Exactly. You're like building, you're living in a whole different world that's in your head and you're creating the, like when you read a book, you're, you are creating all the visuals in your head based off of what this person's words are but like everything looks different for everybody because you are creating what the food looks like what the houses look like what the Mm. trees what everything looks like in your head it's so special Mm. i love it oh riley this has been so special you're so i love you babes what a special special time oh my gosh and when can i see your (laughs) honestly well now my bosses are going on their honeymoon. You're... First of all, I will have, I will be in Palm Springs. You're kidding. Um, Wait, with Domino's. With Domino getting, we're taking her to doggy school. And so I'm going to be in doggy school with her from Monday to Friday. But then I'm back in LA. But I have nothing, nothing to do except for run a TV show, so... <laughs> I'm literally wait also them like training dominoes like oh what? and they're like no not you literally <laughs> I'm like okay, yeah okay thank you queens thank, thank you. you oh my god you are so wonderful I love you such a wonderful break in my work day dude honestly no I I've been feeling like truly pretty like low spirited about because I okay I love my apartment and I love what it's done for me because I've healed so much in here Mm -hmm. but I am very very ready to like move and have a one bedroom and separation of space and stuff and I've just been so low spirited because it's just been really really hard to find a place and then like with work I feel like I'm like a square peg in a round hole and I'm just like oh my god and then it's like literally like what you just said it's like doing this like reminds me like why I sit here on a Thursday night for like over an hour talking with like one of my dearest friends about books like it's just like this is what life's about this is what it's all about seriously it really is it's escape it's but it's not even escapism it is just living in your reality that you can create type Mm -hmm. of without being influenced by other people's realities which is something we can bring into everyday life but it's just harder when you're mixed with other people's energies and other people's motives and stuff you know oh my goodness well i love you i love you i'm going to i leave um on sunday so i probably won't see you Hello, you guys. Oh, my God. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I just absolutely adore Riley to bits and bits. Oh, my goodness. And I love how we can go from just being the absolute weirdest, silliest gooses, as you can tell, but also just talking so deep, so deep about love and depression, human consciousness, embodiment of individuality and just life itself so please 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 let me know what your favorite part was and please 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 oh my goodness do not be shy definitely introduce yourself to Riley and again I cannot wait for you guys to join our group leader seminar on March 
second and to, oh my goodness, see his amazing, amazing book list. I love you guys dearly, 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 and I cannot wait for the next episode.